This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on days where you're shopping, cooking, or spending time with family. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and it can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. I work in an office five days a week, and I've been spending way too much money on lunch because I don't have the time to prepare it ahead of time this holiday season. Factor has a solution with Lunch To Go, effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Head to factormeals.com slash OTF50 and use code OTF50 to get 50% off. That's code OTF50 at factormeals.com slash OTF50 to get 50% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Jake Mesh, and today we are coming back, uh, took a little bit of a break, uh, apologized to everyone for taking a, a pretty long break. I think this, this season ended, and it was, you know, Lamar and I had, you know, plans to kind of interview more people and, and do more of like an in-depth project to kind of cap off the season, and then I, I like, personally, I just needed to sit on a couch for a little bit and and kind of recover uh you know season went well and the podcast is so much fun but you know i was i also changed careers in this time i completely shifted and and got a new job and it's been awesome but it's been very very busy so uh just kind of took a break and um you know now we're back but uh with an update so lamar did decide to leave pitcher list and I want to be the the first, the loudest voice to tell Lamar good luck, um, and that we appreciate every single thing that he has done uh, for Pitcherlist for this podcast. Um, for anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that Lamar did this by himself throughout the entire uh, 2022 season with occasional guests, but there was a lot of podcasts where he just went solo and killed it. And so this podcast uh, absolutely 100% would not exist if not for Lamar's dedication uh, and skill um, and just, you know, love for bringing you all, you know, updates on the most obscure, you know, minor league price prospects and at the lowest levels. And he was always really good at that, going deep. And I kind of talking about him like he's dead. He's not dead. Um, But we really appreciate Lamar. yeah, he was he was an incredible host. But moving forward, uh, we are looking for um, you know someone to kind of take over that role. We're you know searching you know internally, working with Adam Howe, our podcast manager, to find the the next co-host. Um, but for now, it is just myself. And so today, to kind of uh, bridge the gap, break the silence, if you will, uh, we have a episode from the Vault. It is with myself and Lucas uh, Berry. And it was a part of the project that Lamar and I were trying to do at the at the end of the season, where we interviewed guests from previous episodes that had been on in the season about kind of you know takeaways from the 2023 season and and what we could learn, some predictions for 2024. Um, and so that is with, that we have that for you today with Lucas um, and myself, and it's so good. Um, Lucas, if you haven't heard, he's been on a lot of podcasts recently for very good reason. He won the NFBC online auction championship overall 
competition. And that is an incredible feat, a kind of incredible accomplishment uh, outside the dynasty space, of course, but uh, super, super smart guy. And just everyone should listen to him whenever he is available because he has some, has some great things to say. And this podcast is no different. So I hope you all enjoy uh, the next segment of the podcast uh, that we have. We will be back to uh, regular publishing starting next uh, Thursday, December 7th. Uh, we'll have a guest, not sure who that will be yet, um, but we'll have someone on. We'll do a podcast, and then from there, it'll be bi-weekly. Um, so every two weeks after that, until the season starts to wrap up, probably sometime in March, we'll go back to our weekly schedule and then have that throughout the season. So I uh, just want to give you all a little update before the podcast starts. I'll, on the next clip, I will introduce it again because this is me, this is me talking like two months ago. And so some of the stuff, there'll be some some little things that are like, oh, that is out of date. But most of it is still applicable. We're just recapping the 2023 season for, for Lucas's Dynasty games. And um, there's a lot of great nuggets there. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to the On the Farm Pitcherless podcast about all things Prospect Dynasty and minor league related. I am your host, Jake Mesh, and today we are continuing our little mini series to finish out the Dynasty season where we, you know, bring back guests that have been on the podcast throughout the year, not just the the season, the the year uh, ever since January and and just, you know, talking about how, how things have gone because so much of has changed, obviously, and over the course of the season. And, you know, everyone's learning things as they go, making mistakes and, uh, you know, just changing changing opinions on, on things. And so it's nice to kind of have a time to regroup and talk about things as a as a whole, as like a kind of a collective here. And so that's trying to what we're trying to do with all of our all of our guests in the season here. Uh, you'll hear Lamar at some point in the podcast. Uh, we've been kind of switching off the like the interviewing i guess for for these segments and then you'll of course hear from lamar and i and uh get our responses to these questions and probably about an episode or two so a little bit further down the line but uh you will hear lamar on this podcast so if you're here for him then you know either tough it out or uh speed forward but um today we have a awesome guest to start us off here uh lucas beery he was one of our, you know, kind of earlier guests this year. It was a, I believe it was a March episode, a couple couple weeks before the season started. And um, obviously super excited to have him back. He runs the uh, the um, dcdynasty.com website for, uh, you know, for your deep redraft leagues and your dynasty leagues. And um, it, that's been a great resource for me personally. Uh, I've used it for fab a whole lot and, and been checking out what's going on there. So I um, appreciate you. You know, Lucas taking the time, being on the episode, and uh, ready to, you know, excited to get going. Absolutely. And uh, glad to hear that you're using the website, um, putting out all of our different opinions and, and, and information can be a little exhausting, but to know that some people are using it always makes us uh, continue to uh, do what we're doing. So appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just the best thing when you're, you know, it's confirmed that you're not like, <laughs> just like talking into the void or writing into the void, you know, uh, when you get someone that can, uh, that can be like, oh yeah, I saw that, you know, it's just, it, it means a lot. So, yes. um, and to all the listeners, absolutely. It means a lot coming from everyone. So, um, so yeah, so glad that, glad that that's been going good for you. And, um, in general, how's the, how's the season gone for you? Um, uh, whether it be, you know, dynasty or redraft to just kind of like overall, what's kind of the, the picture of your, your fantasy baseball season so far? Yeah, so 
Um, as you know, I play in quite a handful of different leagues. I'm in over 20 leagues this year, which I'm going to cut that down a little bit next year, but um, only two of them are, are daily leagues, so I'm able to keep that within reason. Um, but as far as the other dynasty leagues, I'm in six dynasty leagues. Unfortunately, I'm rebuilding or retooling in two of them. So those are kind of at the bottom of the standings while I'm trying to figure things out due to injuries, mostly pitching injuries. I just, you know, when you have a, a Liam Hendricks, a Carlos Rodon, a Luis Severino, um, and Sandy Alcantara is just not himself. You don't have a choice. So right. that happens. But, uh, the other dynasty leagues are going pretty well. Uh, potentially could win one, uh, cash a few others, and then be like third or, or fourth or fifth in, in a different one, which it didn't work out. But, you know, part of how it goes. Uh, as far as drafting holds, having a pretty good year. Uh, Going to be able to win some of those leagues. Uh, and then on NFBC, I'm having my best year yet uh, over there. So that's pretty nice. Absolutely. Um, but still, uh you know, having a having a solid year over there, going to be able to hopefully take some leagues home. But some of the leagues that are outside of the cash, I just can't help but focus on them and try to perfect them. But pretty good year. All right. So you mentioned you mentioned that you're you're close to winning a couple of leagues, but I also saw that you you know might be close to potentially taking down an overall. You know, can you talk about what league that is and kind of talk about that process a little bit as well too? Yeah. So. I have two leagues in the online auction championship, and it's a great format over on NFBC. Um, I love I love auctions. So much more flexibility and freedom to build your roster however you want. And it's a little bit more of a, a true tell as far as fantasy rather than in a snake draft where you're kind of at the mercy of your pick slot and who drops to you and right. things like that. So right. The roster building is so much fun. Oh, so it's much fun. so much fun. And... Um, I'm having a pretty solid year in the online auction format. Um, one of my buddies actually just kind of got a hold of me around July and he was like, uh, I see you're doing great in the overall. And, and I usually don't think overall just because, you know, the odds of anybody winning it are so low and you basically have to be perfect and, and, and all that kind of thing. And I had looked and I was in the top five in the overall and I was just like kind of blown away at that point. Um, and I had a pretty solid team. Um, but I kind of just been playing my team out as I normally would. I really haven't been micromanaging it as far as building up my categories. But this month and a few weeks uh, into August, um, I needed average and steel, so I sought that out pretty hard on the waiver wire. Um, but I'm still not benching guys like a Jake Berger, who's a low power guy, but potential 30 home run guy. Um, so I'm I'm playing it out to try to fix some of those categories, but. I'm not selling out for it too hard and benching my my guys that got me there. Right, for sure, for sure. Man, that's fun. I, I have yet to even, you know, come close to one of those. So absolutely good luck down the stretch. And uh, you know, that would be that would be awesome to uh, add to your to your accolades for sure. Um Thank you. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um oh with auctions too, have you is there any chance you've done like a dynasty auction before? No. Um I've heard of some guys that have um, and it would be pretty cool, but I Sounds have not like done chaos. that yet. Sounds like chaos. Like, I, like yeah. I feel like, you know, snake draft are like, or snake draft dynasty drafts are already such a huge thing because like, there's not really like an ADP. Um, and it's just like, everyone's has a very different strategy. I think even more than, than, than redraft. And so I feel like if you could get like an auction, 
an auction dynasty together and then even did you know kind of the continual salary thing i mean i i can't imagine i think that would be that'd be wild that'd be so much fun yeah absolutely um one league that i will be doing this winter is a uh auction draft champions but it's on it's going to be on fan track since it's customized nice yeah uh, and that should be interesting uh we'll auction off like the first 23 guys and then kind of reserve around from there on okay and then then you do another like 27 rounds like the the standard mm-hmm. 50 yeah okay yeah wild um cool well yeah we'll, we'll have to let me know let me know how that one goes and i mean oh uh, yeah auctions are a ton of fun um but sweet all right so we got how you're doing so far uh overall obviously you know really great and um so then let's get into more of kind of the the you know the questions that we have prepared and, and some things um on like more of like the individual you know team and prospect level um so you know first and foremost here who uh has been the most surprising prospect uh, this season for you um and why yeah absolutely i've really got two kind of names because one guy is, is quite obvious so i had to list him but then i've got a kind of a bonus name but uh ethan solace is certainly the answer to my question um, he's pretty much broken every rule that has been laid out in front of him as far as age to level catchers moving along quickly. Um, just the fact that he caught, you know, premium major league pitchers like Joe Musgrove and you Darvish in spring training to backing up, you know, all of his numbers with, with great underlying uh, metrics is just, it's gotten to the point where, you know, the dynasty hype just got is through the roof for Ethan Solace, and he was a really nice pick in the third, fourth round where he went. A lot of my first year players, but uh, obviously nobody saw this coming. Right, um, like like absolutely, there was no like even in spring training when you know we kind of heard about like how he was kind of hanging around the major leaguers and how he was performing really well, and there was a lot of kind of like like um, some kind of hype isn't like the hype started you know so it was just kind of like oh like this is kind of like popping out to us and and this kid's making some noise but it was still like okay he was just signed uh like a couple months earlier and it was you know he's 17 and so it's like and he's a catcher too like he's gonna it's gonna take a ton of time he's gonna be down for a while you know it's really cool um but then the Padres we're, got really aggressive with him and i mean he's already he's already in double a um currently which is insane for any 17 year old you know regardless of like when they were signed or what position they play but you know for a catcher who was signed recently i mean that's just that's crazy and i mean he hasn't exactly like torn the continue you know tearing the cover off the ball but just the fact that he's getting those reps is wild and i mean like he he probably has a full double a season next year to establish himself a little bit more as an 18 year old and <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, like who, who could have, who could have seen it coming, even with the more aggressive promotions, I think that we've seen in some other organizations, it's still like, I think it's just kind of takes a second to kind of get used to that. This could happen potentially more often. Uh, and that some teams might be more willing to do it than others. But I mean, it's just, it's so exciting to see a 17 year old get this, this much kind of this much run, you know, from, from an organization. Yeah, sure. it's uh, beyond unprecedented, and I highly doubt we'll ever see this again from a catching prospect, let alone a position player. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I have to have to second you there. I mean, that's uh, 
yeah i mean that's that's that he's gonna be such a big guy he could even be what like top five top three number one prospect you know in the next you know with easily within the next year so um that's awesome and i think you said you had one other um to mention here as well yeah, so I thought Ethan Solace was was kind of a little bit too much of a layup where most people could have envisioned him, which he was the obvious answer, but I wanted to throw another one in there for a bonus. Uh, Thomas Segesi from the St. Louis Cardinals, I think, is a guy that's going to have uh, a bit of a fever pitch surrounding him this winter when people get a chance to dig into not only what he's done this year, but in previous years. Um, so he was a high school draftee, and in his first season of professional ball he had a nice 127 wrc plus um at the a ball level and then it it was only gotten better from there uh the next year he at high a he had a 127 wrc plus so he repeated um and then heading into this year at double a own a monstrous 168 wrc plus uh with st louis and a 132 with texas on the year, he has a 317 batting average, a 381 OBP, okay. and a huge 550 slug, uh, triple slash with 67 big extra base hits across 134 games. Uh, he'll be 22 next spring, and I think he'll have a chance to battle for uh, an everyday starting job for St. Louis. Um, and I think that as people get a chance to kind of slow slow things down, dig into the numbers, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be top 50 on every list and potentially top 25 due to his proximity and his ability to just produce with the bat every level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, it's just, I feel, I feel like even after the trade to, to St. Louis, like he really just took off. Like he was already having a great year at double a that not a lot of people were, were privy to. Um, and then he went to St. Louis and I think that trade really helped just kind of like get more people aware of who he was and then just pay attention to how he's doing and he proceeded to tear the cover off the ball in like he had what 150 pas he had 10 homers uh and i mean he just hit a 331 iso in those <laughs> in that in double a for st louis so i mean at that point you have no no choice but to call him up and um i mean now he's he's in triple a um you know doing all right and it's really easy to see how he you know makes an impact for the Cardinals next year, you know, um, they're like, I think that they're a team that wants, they're not, they, if you've they're, they haven't had a lot of bad seasons in the last like 20 years. Right. And this one was really bad for them. And I think they will be aggressive in, you know, making a competitive roster. And I think that, um, he'll have a chance to, to contribute to that. And, and St. Louis has a great offense. Even if they, you know, don't do anything on offense, they still have a really good offense. It's possible that, you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado kind of take another mini step back as they get a little older. But overall, they have a lot of contributing guys that, that play really well. Some young guys and, you know, Jordan Walker and even Newt Barr. And, um, so they have a really good roster. And if he could kind of make his way into there, um, Maybe could like maybe Brendan Donovan becomes more of like a util bench guy, and Segezi can go and play second base uh, more often, and and Gorman maybe is like the the DH. You know, like there's some there's some ways that he can get in there, and you know, being a AAA now, I think he might be he might he could even be a guy that we're kind of talking about on spring training as like one of those guys that like has a good spring, gets some hype, and you know maybe even if he doesn't make the roster, maybe he's up in like May, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so he could absolutely be someone to watch to even make a, an MLB impact next year, I think. 
Yeah, he he uh, he's a guy that I've kind of been following a little bit, um, and just digging into this exercise with you, seeing how electric the numbers were. It's it kind of it, they're very different players, so just don't take this as a comp or anything. But a guy like Brian Reynolds, he had a really big uh, year in the minor leagues right before he got called up. And it kind of put him on center stage. But then if you look beyond that, he had produced every year before that. So it was like more val- validated. And that's the feeling I'm getting from Segesi where it wasn't just this year. It was previous years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, it's funny how these guys can come up and you think they come out of nowhere. And then you go and look and you're like, oh, they, <laughs> like they were good. They were, they were yeah. pretty good. You know, it just yes. doesn't, maybe they weren't drafted really high or, um, uh, didn't have you said he was drafted out of high school. I actually wonder where. Yeah, he was overall one forty five, round five. So, exactly, you know, like he wasn't drafted super high. He, I, you know, didn't have like a ton of, you know, scouts on him, a ton of, you know, attention in the in the dynasty uh, community even. And then just you know being pretty consistent. And then you get your shot. You know, you get the trade. You get some eyeballs on you perform really well and then I mean it's just people start paying attention and also I love the Brian Reynolds comp because he is not someone who gets comped very often because he's just he's a very good major leaguer but he's not he doesn't have like that like outlier tool that he's not like super fast he's like oh like this prospect has the the power of, of Brian Reynolds or the speed or you know he's just Brian Reynolds is a great baseball player and so I love the comp um of just like this guy's gonna be you know, could be a good baseball player and, and kind of has that same background where it wasn't a huge guy, but had yeah. been consistently producing and then, you know, turned into a, a, a stud, you know, someone who's going to contribute pretty solidly, you know, across the board. And, um, so yeah, I like that comp. I can see the trajectory and, um, yeah, you just, you don't hear Brian Reynolds thrown around all the time and I love Brian Reynolds. So got to appreciate that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Huge fan of Reynolds and they're very different players. And I, I think that he's going to certainly be a rung below Reynolds uh, when he makes it to the majors. But as far as just like, you feel like he's a pop-up guy, but then you look and you're like, well, he's actually been pretty good for a while. So right. you, you can, you can buy in even more and, and, and potentially buy into him in those draft and hold leagues next year. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Everyone's always looking for, for the next prospect. The guy who's going to get the playing time. And it's tough. It is tough to predict who's going to get those opportunities. Um, and then on the other end, you know, on the other end of the most surprising, you have the most disappointing. So is there someone who stands out to you, someone that you loved in the offseason, uh, maybe invested in a little bit, and then has just not lived up to your expectations? Yeah, so this was another easy one for me. And I have to go with Gavin Stone. Uh, easily my most disappointing player and, and most disappointing player of any prospect I can think of. Uh, it really wasn't that long ago that in the winter there was many people debating whether they were Team Miller or Team Stone. And so many were on Team Stone, but those people kind of went into the witness protection program anyways. But uh, no, he was just such a monster last year. I mean, a, a three-level season that was just video game numbers. And, you know, you he kind of comes up and, and loses a little bit of velocity and he, he's just predictable. You know, it, it's a reason why a player like Kevin Gosman, who has a, a splitter changeup, that's a rarity when you can be a two-pitch pitcher with the changeup. Um, Jackson Coar is another kind of example that I learned from where if your primary pitch is the changeup, uh, it's hard to, to make your living as a starting pitcher um, yep. to turn that lineup over three times and to keep hitters off balance, especially when your, your fastball command is off, which it was for Stone. So... Um, he's not a player that I think has no future or anything, but, um, obviously you're, 
your expectations are uh, certainly adjusted a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, but like Stone is so, it's so frustrating because that changeup is just, is ridiculous. Um, and it's just, it's just, he can't seem to put something together around it, you know? Um, and even looking at like, the thing that kind of that gets me hung up on him sometimes is I'll look at his um, his swinging strike rate in in particular. Uh, in the minors, it's sixteen point six percent. In the majors, I didn't see it after his last outing, so I don't want to speculate. But it was it was up there. It was uh, for a while. It was like fourteen, fifteen, and kind of those brief stints where he came up. And so you look at that, and you're like, oh my god, like there still seems like there's some potential there. Um, but then if you actually look at it, I'm looking at pitch level in uh, in AAA and it's 28.4% swinging strike on the changeup and 7.8 on the fastball. Uh 12 on the slider, 11.9 on the sinker, 14.4 on cutter. And it's like that changeup just is so so nasty. It look it just makes everything else look better, but it's just still a struggle to support it, you know, cuz at some point guys are going to be able to to lay off of it if he, you know, can't throw it for strikes or whatever it may be, but it's just such a good it's just such a good pitch that it kind of keeps me like, oh, but what if, what if maybe eventually he does a Gosman, you know, it took him what, like six years uh, to become like one of the best pitchers, you know? So not saying yeah. he's ever going to be Gosman, but uh, it's tough looking at some of like the, this, the swing and miss data and um, just the stuff and just be a little disappointed that it probably won't work out to what we all thought, but man, it's just, it's uh Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, I think uh, at this point, if I was holding on to him, and, and I did have a share, but we actually moved to him in a trade um, with uh, Connor Norby for Whit Merrifield. So it doesn't, doesn't exactly show you how much value yeah. he has. Not yeah. very high, but, uh, you know, he's he's one of those guys where at this point I would hope for him to have a Matt Brash type of move to the bullpen. Yeah. Where he can be like a 12K per nine guy and, and maybe sniff around saves eventually, but... Yeah, you know. he just got a three, like a three point one inning save with the Dodgers the other day. Um, so you never know, you know, it could be the the kind of the sign of things to come. And honestly, I think the Dodgers need. I wouldn't be shocked if he makes his way onto the postseason roster and does that kind of like, you know, either a setup role or maybe long relief or something. Uh, because it, it, you, playoff teams need it, you know, need the pitching help. And the Dodgers um, feels like they've had they've had a lot of of pitching injuries um like like Daniel Hudson is out Blake Trining came back for a little bit and he's back out they've kind of they haven't really had a closer all year you know and uh Gretarol's been incredible but you know and even their starting pitchers Kershaw you don't know what you're going to get from him um you know Gonsolin it's just it's been so I don't know how the Dodgers have been they, it's just <laughs> so good that what they've been able to do with with just like the injuries that they've had and so I think it's possible that he even you know might be contributes down the stretch and more of that bullpen role um and could be a good guy for if you're you know it saves holds league um maybe he starts getting some holds next year and um is much more effective in like those short stints um but yeah it's just it's hard to see him as a starter you know yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that the slider would be able to play up enough where not only could he maybe steal a strike or two with it, but it would give some the hitter something to think about. But but clearly the slider is just not even that. So I think that's yeah. what kind of really hurt him a lot even further. Yeah, yep, that's fair. Um, so then at uh, 
Before I get to the next question, we will actually take a quick quick break here. Uh, hear a word from our sponsors. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, teams and organizations. All right, and we are back uh, again, still here with Lucas Beery. Um, I told you before we we talk more about teams, and so um, we'll start off with you know what is there a major league team that you think has you know clearly the best minor league system right now? Yeah, so my choice for this was the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they've actually been at the top of this list for for many years, and. I mean, possibly could could be in the top ten for a while, considering yeah. that they could be on the brink of a true dynasty, uh, which we haven't seen in a, in a little while outside of the Dodgers, which they've they've been close to winning, but only brought home the one championship. But uh, the Orioles were were easily my choice, and you know they they check off the boxes of of not only elite superstar possibilities at the top, uh, but they have unbelievable depth and talent at their ears. So yep. Um, they, they check off all the boxes. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like every, like every couple weeks over the course of the last year, there's another guy that pops up and it's like, it's got to stop at some point, right? Like it can't just be a continual running pipeline of new, new guys that pop up. Um, because I mean, that's essentially what it's been. Um, like someone like Joey Ortiz, who was in, I believe he was like top 80 or so for on the fan graphs list, uh, prior to this year he's he's maybe their like bench utility guy you know going forward and he was a really you know highly sought after prospect um and just like the depth like where like it's been like where do you find room for some of these guys like where's you know it's gonna be like oh there's gunner and there's jackson holiday and there's and there's norby and kobe kobe mayo and like all of these guys and kowser is gonna come up and it's just going to be so much fun. I'm very jealous of Lamar, who is a <laughs> natural-born Orioles fan, uh, because it's just it was what my White Sox were supposed to be. You know, it was like looking at that, and it was like, oh my gosh, like Yoan Moncada when he was traded was like the number one prospect, and uh, it was the whole rebuild, and it just it went horribly. And so now I'm living vicariously through the Orioles fans, who are hopefully actually going to experience that like that dynast that dynastic run of, of success so um absolutely orioles fantastic um and then you know on the again on the organizational level is there an organization a team that has surprised you or or impressed you in just making player development strides who may not be like the best yet but you've seen how it's kind of gotten better over the course of, of this season yeah, so this was a really good question that you sent me because the Orioles was was kind of a layup for the best uh, system, uh, but this provided a lot more critical thinking. I think that sometimes there are some narratives around certain teams that are just are, are not true if you follow like very closely. Like people think the Pirates are in the Stone Age, which they're not. They have a solid system, in fact, very good. Uh, some people think the Rockies just can't do anything right when in reality it's more than likely their ownership. Mm -hmm. um, but just to kind of that team that shocked me, I guess, was earlier this summer, uh, the Chicago Cubs, just looking at their system. It was one of those systems where I didn't think about them as one of the elite systems. Um, an elite might be a little strong, but they're a strong system. Um, they just have so many players that I see a big league future for. Um, even though they lack that potential MVP candidate or that Jackson Holiday, if you will, um, Pete Crow Armstrong is pretty solid for that headliner for it being a weakness of the class, but 
they just have so many guys that not only can you feel excited about, but just an amazing amount of depth as well. Yeah. And I remember when I think it was last off season when I was doing, when I was, you know, t- taking a stab at a ranking prospects, you know, I was looking at the Cubs and it was, it was Brennan Davis was the big one. And then, um, I forgot who the other one was. Oh, around that time. But, um, uh, maybe Kevin Alcantara. Uh, that sounds right. either, yeah, that sounds right. But I remember it was like, it was a couple guys up there. Um, I, I, I loved Wisniewski. That was my downfall earlier this year, but, um, and there were some guys, but it was like, um, you know, didn't really see where, where it was going to go or it was going to come from. And, and with Bretton Davis, he had that injury and it went, you know, it's gone, just gone horribly for him. And I think looking at the organization, if you had looked at the organization a year ago and known that Brennan Davis would really just kind of fall off and the injury would really hamper his career in a big way, I think you'd look at the organization and say, uh-oh, like yeah. they might not have anything else. Right. Um, so where is it going to go? Are they going to spend the money? But what they've been able to do is really build it and to a surprising level. Like you said, there's a really good amount of depth and like the moves that they've made to to add to it and specifically like the pitching development has been surprisingly really, really good. Um, like Cade Horton is one of the most fun minor league pitchers to watch right now. Um, and there's just like, there's a handful of guys that are, that are close and that are, um, you know, going to be good. And so it's been, I like you said, like it's been good to, to see the depth get created through development really, because they haven't, um, they haven't, I guess, made a whole lot of moves between this offseason and last offseason it's not like they like sold off a huge like major league piece and got a bunch in return like they really just developed a ton of guys over the last you know six seven months and now you're looking at them and it's it's uh they've kind of popped up i think out of nowhere and um it's it potentially a scary situation for the national league central for sure yeah i mean if you just look at you know one of the gold standards, Baseball America, and you just look through their 25th prospect, he's a 45. I mean, they have two starting lineups of 45s. I mean, it's just, <laughs> and those guys, you know, they can certainly just be a bench fodder kind of guy and kind of be in and out of the lineup like uh, a Mauricio Dubon. But, I mean, some of those guys can pan out too. So, yeah, it's just uh, for a real-life uh, fantasy or for a real life prospect list, excuse me, uh, they're impressive with the depth. Yeah, no, uh, the depth has been, the depth is what will, I think, make a, a successful, you know, major league team to have those those options because the season is long and, you know, you see teams that have to dip into, you know, the reserves that, that they didn't think they'd rely on, you know, so having um, prospects instead of just like the kind of the journeymen and the the veterans that are kind of like, like break-even war players, you know, that you have in AAA that can come up. Instead of having to rely on those kind of guys, you have actual, like, prospects with some upside there waiting for their shot. Um, and so that's always good to, to have um, just some young athleticism. You know, like Pete Crow Armstrong coming in on defense even, or pinch running, mm-hmm. fantastic, valuable. You know, you don't need his power to develop already. You know, he's going to be able to impact the game, you know, as is. So, um, yeah. And definitely. and I and I've I've definitely been harping a lot on the depth because that's what truly drew drew me in. But I mean, even if you look at the the top four or five guys, I mean, we talked about Pete Crow Armstrong as a universal top ten prospect, Kate Horton potentially one of the 
upper tier pitching prospect arms, Matt Shaw, an infielder that's going to be one of the buzziest FYPD guys, potentially oh, yeah. go in the top six or seven, maybe even higher. And then an Owen C- Cassie, Owen Casey, his his exit velocity numbers and his barrel rate data is going to set him apart from almost every minor leaguer in the game. So, yep. They don't just have a bunch of just role players. They have star power too. Right. And it's nice to see. I think they've also, they have more guys than the profile that we've seen recently. And Lamar and I actually talked about this on, I think, two episodes ago, where they had, you know, uh, like Nelson Velasquez, Christopher Morrell, um, the guy that they just called up recently. Um, Canario. Canario. Yeah. It's just kind of like that boomer bust power. Um, little hole in the swing, the high strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like they were kind of chasing the ghost of Javi Baez for a little bit there. Um, and they didn't quite <laughs> strike gold. And I, and then so I, we come, me and Lamar, Lamar and I were talking about it as like, man, are they going to learn their lesson? You know, like, what, like either give these guys a playing time or like, move on figure something else out um but they have the they have the guys behind they have the guys coming that are that are more complete uh pca really goes against that mold um but i just thought it was kind of funny for a minute there it looked like every guy that came up was like had like huge power but also was swinging at everything you know um and so it's i think it'll be good to see how the, the team continues to develop there um and then moving away from the from the organization the teams um We'll go back to uh, prospect level. And, you know, is there a number one overall prospect for you uh, right now? Yeah, for me, it's going to be Jackson Holiday. Uh, It's pretty ridiculous to see a high school prep player come in and make it all the way to the AAA level in just their first full season. Um, I can't really recall very many instances of that from you know, an American prep player who's not coming in uh, from an international level, getting their exposure super early. So um, not only is he, you know, going to be able to stick at shortstop, but from an on-base percentage, he could be at the top of the list for the league leaders um, and provide potential 25 home runs, uh, presence in the stolen base category, and potentially could be on the opening day roster next year for uh the Baltimore Orioles. So I think he's just my, my, my obvious choice. There was other choices that were certainly strong, but I think that you can't argue against Jackson holiday. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough too. You know, there's, um, you know, I've seen a couple of people, it's like, if you're going to pick a nit, it's like, Oh, well maybe he, he hits too many line drives. Maybe there's not enough power <laughs> there, you know? And it's like, well then he'll hit, then he'll hit 280, you know? And then it's like, Oh darn, you know, uh, at shortstop as a, 20 year old you know so it's just it's such a complete profile um because he has incredible plate discipline as well he'll you know i'm sure when you get in those kind of early career slumps best way to get out of it i think is is by taking your walks and and just seeing more pitches and uh working some counts and he'll be able to do that he'll still be able to get on base even if he um you know isn't seeing the ball super well so um i mean it's just it's hard, yeah, hard to argue. Uh, anyone in the top five, I'm sure you can make a case for, but Jackson Holiday is fantastic. Absolutely, yeah, I would argue he's certainly the uh, least riskiest too. Right, fantastic floor, yeah. Because like, where's the bust? You know, like what what aspect of his profile is going to be like the thing that turns him into a, a two twenty hitter? You know, with with no power. Like, what is it going to be? You know, he doesn't really. He's the he hits a 
I guess a bit too many ground balls, but again, like he's not even 20 years old. Like there's plenty of time to work on it more. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on days where you're shopping, cooking, or spending time with family. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and it can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. I work in an office five days a week, and I've been spending way too much money on lunch because I don't have the time to prepare it ahead of time this holiday season. Factor has a solution with Lunch To Go, effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Head to factormeals.com slash OTF50 and use code OTF50 to get 50% off. That's code OTF50 at factormeals.com slash OTF50 to get 50% off. All right, so moving on here. Um... To a quick prediction, way too, way too, you know, far ahead uh, to be super accurate. But it's always fun to start thinking about potential sleepers for next year, the rookies that are going to come up and and make the headlines and everything. So, you know, based on who right now is, you know, prospects minor leaguers, who do you think has the best shot to be your American League and National League rookies of the year? Yeah, so for my American League Rookie of the Year, uh, I had to go with Junior Caminero, uh, a player that I think could potentially be in contention for the opening day roster. Um, Tampa Bay lost a lot of offensive firepower with their young shortstop uh, having an uncertain future with the team, and I think uh, Junior Caminero could step in there and provide a very strong offensive production from the first year on. Um He's pretty much a prospect to me that has graduated into the almost untradeable status uh, as a top top two or three prospect, potentially, arguably um, more proven than any of the first-year player guys such as Wyatt Langford or Dylan Cruz just because he does have that um, unbelievable exit velocity data that he's posted. Um, I believe that his 90th percentile exit velocity has only been bested by Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Giancarlo Stanton, and Ronald Acuna. So um, when he's doing that and he's already younger than those players um, and he's on the doorstep of the major leagues, <clears throat> has pretty much no strikeout issues, um, is going to stick on the left side of the infield, so he'll give you some plus eligibility uh, with third base. And in some fan tracks formats, they might still think he's a shortstop, so that's nice too. Um so I could see Junior Caminero as the rookie of the year next year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a great bet. Um, his lowest WRC plus at any level was 137 at low A. Uh, and that was funny enough, his also the smallest sample size that he had at any level. Uh, usually those smaller samples you get might get a crazy high number. Um, but no, it was actually his worst uh, at a 137. Um but I mean, he's just been consistently fantastic. Uh, I mean, it's just like what what are you gonna do uh, besides put him at the top? And it's watching him hit homers at the rate that he has done it recently, especially at Double A. Just twenty homers in three hundred fifty one plate appearances, uh, and and the exit velocity numbers, like you said, that it, it backs it up. I mean, he just 
connects with the ball so well. And it's just like, it's hard to see him be down there for too long next year. You know, like mm-hmm. he'll be, he'll get up, he'll get his opportunity. Uh, he'll probably play a ton in spring training. And um, I mean, yeah, it's hard to kind of pick any nits, you know, it's just, it's been such a complete profile. Um, but, you know, actually I was, I was looking at my dynasty league FYPDs from last year recently. And one of the leagues I'm in is a, like an open universe uh, FYPD. So it's any, anyone that's on the, on the free agent wire. And, you know, of course the, the players that were drafted in the previous year, in the major league draft. And I was looking at the results um, for a completely different reason, but I saw something that I completely forgot about. Junior Camonero was in the player pool and he went in round two, one pick before me. And I had already taken um, Brooks Lee in the first round. I I was at number seven in the, in the draft order. And I looked at that and I just kind of sat back. I was like, man, why did I go and look at that? Like I was so close. And I, and I, I don't know. I can't tell you if I was like going to pick him next. Like I didn't really like, you know, immediately come up in my head. I think we did that draft in like January. It was like right after the, the, uh, the J 15 signings. And it was like right there, like so close. And so it's pain. Don't go back and look at your FYPDs uh, unless you want to potentially be hurt because it sucks. Yeah, that is uh, that's a bad beat, but certainly, uh, you know, you can look back at those moves and and, and feel bad, but it's not going to help you. So you just got to right. move on and look to make those those positive moves since there's so many paths to win. And whether it's you know fab trading, you know in season management. So yeah, that's kind of my take point. on that. That's a good point. All right. Um, for sure. And on to the um, National League Rookie of the Year. Yes. Um, so there was a, a few players that I had looked at here that I think are, are much more likely to be the call here, but I wanted to go with kind of a long shot more so. So I'm going with Ronnie Mauricio from the New York Mets. Um there's certainly a bit more risk to him than some of the other guys, given the fact that he does not have uh, the greatest hit tool. Um, but as far as power, speed, I think that he could potentially be in the opening day lineup uh, for the Mets. Uh, I think Ronnie Mauricio has the electricity and the loud upside to to provide the counting stats and and maybe a, a huge slugging percentage to go along with it. So Ronnie Mauricio is my call for NL Rookie of the Year. All right. All right. Um, no, I like it because he's been he's been playing a lot recently and he's got a nice little power speed, you know, thing going. I think he could be he'd be a 2020 guy, I think. And nice switch hitter. Um, he's not as good against lefties, but he's still solid. It's, you know, hard to say that, you know, it's hard to say that he's, you know, a platoon candidate. You know, he's going to um, play. And I think the Mets are going to Mets are going to have opportunities for him, you know, like. They had that log jam on their roster. They had Eduardo Escobar and uh, and Mark Canna and um, Tommy Pham. And they went and they got rid of those three guys and playing time has opened up. And it seems like they're really focusing on, on their young guys and more development. So I think he'll get plenty of playing time. He's probably their, their second baseman just, you know, on opening day and, you know, d- indefinitely. So um, 
I like it. I like I like Ronnie Mariso, and he posts those posts those awesome exit velocity numbers that you like to see. He had that like one seventeen mile per hour. Uh, uh, I think it was a double, like in like his second game or something. And it's just he's a fun player to watch, man. It's awesome. Yeah, this is the type of guy where, you know, usually whenever I'm I'm picking my players, I want to go with the safe, stable profile with the proven high WRC plus. And and if you look at Mauricio in double a, not this year, but last year he had a one Oh four WRC plus and was more of a compiler. And then, you know, this year he has a one Oh eight WRC plus. It's not going to explode off the screen to you by any means, but like you had mentioned the exit velocity, the skills, I mean, this is the archetype to, to be in the top 50, like a jazz Chisholm type. So you gotta, you know, if you're, if you're not wasting a high draft pick, if you're looking to just find a diamond in the rough in the middle of the later part of your draft and hold, I I love Mauricio next year. Uh, As long as you don't have to draft him in your starting lineup per se. Right. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, And then last question we got for you. uh, What is one new thing that you have learned this year uh, regarding your prospect evaluations? So really, I was able to find two things that really stuck out to me a lot. Perfect. Um, And one was to just kind of trust your instincts. Um, There are so many prospects out there um, that even the best prospect evaluators or the best prospect programs, podcasts, they might not find these guys uh, really mining so much information. And and even come wintertime, there will be players that pop up whether it's a justice big big b or or what have you you know uh, brandon fought was not much of a name last year until september when people kind of accounted for what he had done so kind of if i find a guy um i want to trust my instincts and try to scoop him up as many places as i can and um believe that i i know what i'm talking about i guess is my first point yeah no absolutely there's so much so much information out there there's so many voices um, and I think sometimes it can get like information overload, you know, yes. and it's like, for me, I'm like, okay, I want to come at it from every single angle when I make sure that I've thought it through completely. And like, what are all the things that could impact, you know, the, the playing time or the skills, the approach, whatever it may be. Um, and sometimes it's like, you know what I got, like, I've watched this guy, you know, on a, in a game or I've like heard some scouts talk about him and it's just like, you know what, like, I like this guy, I'm going to invest in him. I think I see something that might be others don't, you know, and those are the fun ones. Those are the ones where if they work out, it just, it feels fantastic. And, you know, you could always move on. Like you said, you just gotta, you can't dwell on those kind of, on the losses if they come and you just yeah. gotta keep moving, you know, work looking for the next guy. But yeah, I love that. Go with your gut. Yeah. Cause there, you wouldn't believe how many times that I've been looking through prospects and I kind of find a guy, I, I guess a good example for you is a Hayden McGarry. Uh, he's a guy that I had I kind of found a little bit and picked him up in a league or two, but he wasn't ranked, so he didn't have trade value to my league mates. And I just kind of, and I didn't see see it coming that he had such good exit velocity data. So obviously I didn't see that coming. But uh, just because a guy isn't ranked highly on a list uh, shouldn't stop me in the future from, from picking that guy up, which is yep. kind of a crutch that I had used. Yeah, no, and that's fair. And I mean, lists are, I mean, I for everyone who can make one, it is such a... A huge process and yes. a, a huge undertaking, but you can't possibly like include every single player that's you know in the minor leagues. It's on organizations. It's just such a huge pool to pick from that it's just so easy for guys to 
to kind of fall through to maybe not be you know ranked super high maybe you like them more i mean there's just so much variance there it's a great place to start if you're like looking for some people but yeah like you said it's just it's just because they're not on the list or high on the list you know it doesn't necessarily mean that you know they're not gonna um not gonna explode and um just with junior camonero I, I think chris clegg posted a um a graph on twitter recently and it had junior camonero's ranking in clegg's uh top like four or five hundred ranking dynasty rankings or prospect rankings over the last uh, i think it was like two or three years and you can see it starts at like 400 it goes down to 200 100 and then all the way down to like three and so you've got those guys that are going to be deep in these lists that are you know just kind of starting out and um that so much changes month to month even that it's just you never know you know you never know what's going to happen so um exactly it's it not just because it's not a list doesn't mean they're not good for sure that's true um, and then one more thing that I wanted to throw in here, and I'm curious to get your feedback on this, but <clears throat> really when I'm looking for a prospect that I can pick up in my leagues, um, I really want to look at the whole picture, see his, his scouting reports, see kind of his future, um, positionally, uh, see all of his contact rates and just kind of get a whole profile, more of a holistic view on him. But I've noticed sure. more and more that the Twitter buzz is mm. driving the market. And I think that that's a little reckless to like see a video or see, oh, you know, this guy was included in a trade and he's a big name now. I, I think that that's kind of crazy. And I think there's some clickbait out there. Yeah. Oh, Not yeah. as much as fantasy football per se, but I definitely see it a little bit here and there. Yeah. So I, Be careful. I, Don't get me on my soapbox about uh, clickbait and, and fantasy football. Uh, Oh, content. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's easy to get down the rabbit hole because the, um, how would it, like the, the echo chamber is real. You know, the social, um, the, uh, the, um, oh, what's the phrase for it? The, like proving yourself right time and time again with the content. Like if you think something, it's going to keep showing you that thing, right? Confirmation um, bias. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. That is absolutely real. The algorithm will get you for sure. Yeah. And, like I said, I, I try to not even look at it that way. I want to look at the whole profile, dig through scouting reports, and even depth charts. If a guy's on a third division team, that's a benefit sometimes if he's going to have the path to at-bats. So really just trying to look at the whole picture. But I didn't realize that some of my league mates are looking at Twitter, seeing the big buzz, hearing the Sebastian Walcott as a prime example, and they're paying a lot for it. So I need to capitalize on selling my prospects better by seeing who's got that Twitter or X buzz, you know, figuring out who's the buzzy name and, and mm-hmm. you know, not taking advantage of them, but those guys are going to get you paid a lot better. So, right. Yeah. Uh, best example I could think of for me is recently I traded Casey, Casey Schmidt on the day of his debut for Noel B. Marte. Wow. Um, and it's like, uh, Wow. Um, like, yeah, I'll take, cause it's like it, the Twitter <laughs> thing happens, man. These guys, especially yeah. when they're about to debut and you all like, it's also not like, you don't want to just sell off all the guys that are debuting and they're getting the hype because you know, some of them are, are fantastic and they deserve it, but you get a nice opportunity, like, like something that, that comes up, um, that it, it's, it's hard to, hard to, to, you know, to deny. And it just gets, I think, for pitchers when I was, I was looking a lot at pitchers this year when I was writing the, uh, the pitchers, the stash articles and like, it's especially with like pitching ninja and the stuff that like you see a guy like 
wipe out a hitter on like three straight sliders. And I mean, like that, like that alone can can raise an ADP or a or a trade value, draft cost, whatever. You know, it's crazy powerful. And at the same time, as much as I was just thinking, by chance, I was thinking about this today. I was like, would would I be able to just delete Twitter and just like do my own thing and not spend so much time on it? Probably. But also you would kind of, you would miss that too. I think you would miss the the hype and it's kind of fun sometimes, but at the same time, then you, you know, then to, if you're able to think about it objectively to potentially capitalize on a profile that you might not be in love with, but who's been doing some great things on, on Twitter. And it's just, it's so powerful, you know? Yeah. I guess, I guess my, my realization, Jake, was that I just, one thing that has kind of given me some issues and trade talks, which this might sound condescending. I don't mean for it that way, but not everyone sees things rationally. So I think that, you know, if you do have that big buzzy name, you can yeah. certainly get uh, get a nice payday for it. So, yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, prospects are a ton of fun, uh, but they're not going to win, you know, necessarily your, your dynasty league. And if you can get um, some solid major league uh, contributions from a prospect that's getting a lot of hype it's like even if that prospect turns out to be good like if you got a piece that helped you cash i i personally think that that would be worth it because like so many things happen year to year like when i trade for a prospect i'm like oh i think i could have this guy for his career and it's not always the case i might flip him again the next year value changes you know everything's constantly changing and so i think if you get kind of get caught thinking too much about the future, it's it's very easy to kind of get, you know, just in the mud. And um, so, yeah, just kind of capitalizing on on the, the hype and, um, you know, get, just getting some major league value sometimes is is fantastic. Um, I've seen it in my uh, couple of my dynasty leagues this year. My, one of my buddies took over a team in uh, a dynasty league and he took it over. It was a 10th place team. And he essentially just sold all of the prospects, made a bunch of trades, traded like 10 people for Acuna, and he's going to win, like pretty clearly. And it's just the value of consistent major league playing time can be so immense that you don't necessarily have to have like this dynamic roster of like incredible young players, especially, I mean, depending on the league too and the settings and everything like that, um, road history, head-to-head, whatnot. But like just the value of major league um, performance at bats innings in, in dynasty is, uh, is, I mean, incredibly valuable. It's invaluable. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I feel like I got off a tangent there. Um, but man, social Twitter, it'll get you. It gets everyone. It's gotten me a few times for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do avoid it a lot, but at the same time, I think next year I'm going to just try to focus in on, on, on capitalizing on these, uh, big buzzy guys. Cause Yep. It's loud. It's obvious. Yep. You'll know who it is. Yep. There will be more. <laughs> it never <laughs> stops for sure. Oh man. So, all right. Perfect. That, that covers all the questions. We got a ton of content from you, Lucas. So obviously appreciate you taking the time here and, and going through everything, everything that you've learned this year. Um, because you know, I hope it's, it's valuable. I personally think it's valuable for myself. I hope it's valuable for everyone listening. And, uh, it's always good to talk to you. Um, do you have any, you know, any uh, articles coming up on DC Dynasty? Any other things to to promote while you're here uh, before you go? Yeah, so every week this year I've been putting out a fab article uh, on Sundays. I try to get it out around maybe 12 noon, sometimes 10 a.m., but um, just to give people a good 7, 8 to 10 hours before their fab runs. Uh, it's more for, for deep leagues, um, 
NFBC leagues in specific, but it can be applied for honestly AL or NL only potentially uh, for some of the deep guys that we talk about. But uh, I'll be putting my last article out um, this Sunday. Um, and then I'll also have a year in review ready to All roll right. um, at some point in early October. I'll have a lessons learned uh, redux. I did a lessons learned article a few years uh, either last year or the year before. And I'm going to touch that up because we always can keep sharpening up our skills. Yep. Um, and then potentially down the road this offseason, have a deep league starting pitcher breakdown article for different SPs that I like that are deep names. Yeah. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. Uh, absolutely. You know, check out Lucas's fab article this weekend. Uh, if you, if you need some, 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 you know, guidance for the last week of the season, you know, a couple more names to, to potentially add to your, to your list of pickups and, um, be on the lookout for, for those other articles as well, starting pitchers and, and the year in review sounds awesome. You know, the off season, isn't really you know much of an off season for dynasty guys sometimes so um there's always some content out there and make sure to keep up to date with dcdynasty.com this off season This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on days where you're shopping, cooking, or spending time with family. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and it can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. I work in an office five days a week, and I've been spending way too much money on lunch because I don't have the time to prepare it ahead of time this holiday season. Factor has a solution with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Head to factormeals.com slash OTF50 and use code OTF50 to get 50% off. That's code OTF50 at factormeals.com slash OTF50 to get 50% off.